via Twitch. You can always watch us live on Twitch. Kentucky Derby riders and F1 drivers need to fight. <laughs> huh. <laughs> it's timely. It is timely. Yeah. It is timely. I do. I do have a confession. I don't like or even get the Kentucky Derby. And I worked for an NBC affiliate for like eight years. I don't understand. Like, it's not my thing. I would go to it. I would dress up in the seersucker suits. I would drink the mint juleps. I'd go there. I'd place a bet. But like, I don't get why for one weekend out of the year, this entire country pretends we care about horse racing. I don't love how many um, horses die, so I'm not a big Kentucky Derby. Yeah, Kentucky Derby fan. Horse I, I racing. Think I think I think it's fewer than Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. It's been a long day. Okay. Yo, hey, speaking of getting the party started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're back. It's episode three of the Gridiron Podcast. I'm Nick Shook. That is Katie Caldwell. And Sean is in the middle today. Sean Barry. Folks, we are coming off of a, a, an entertaining race in Miami, I think. Um, maybe Katie disagrees, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Katie uh, hated it. She hated the race. Don't speak for me. Katie hates nice things. Don't. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Just roasted right off the top. I had a medium well, time watching that. <laughs> it's what the Gen Z calls me. I had time was spent watching that race. Yes, <laughs> I technically watched that race. It was still better than Baku. I mean, at least we got that. The bar right? was low. <laughs> the the bar was set very, very low. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's how this F1 season is going to be. We haven't had a true thriller, I think, yet this season. But maybe we'll get one because some competition starting to tighten up a little bit toward the middle, kind of toward the front of the uh, of the pack. Uh, Fernando Alonso continues to make it interesting. But before we actually, uh, well, we're just getting right into the race in Miami. This is episode three of the Gridiron Podcast. We've been gone for, what, a week because there wasn't a race. And so we decided uh, to not do a podcast until there was another race. And we are fresh off of it. Just ended. It is Sunday. You'll probably hear this tomorrow unless I'm able to turn it around before then. Max Verstappen comes away victorious in Miami, just like last year. And unlike last year, Sean and I were not in attendance. I know. It was sad. Very sad day. I had I had a lot of FOMO as I was watching this race unfold. Although I will say, because like last year, Nick and I spent so much time just kind of like walking around, drinking a lot. Uh, we kind of didn't really get to see like the whole, A, the whole track, B, get to experience it all, or even C, like see the whole scope of this track so watching it on tv was kind of a different um a, a different vantage point i kind of like that but you know i want to go back now i i, I want to go back i missed yeah. out yeah well i mean it's it's yeah at least you get to see the whole race from tv though i'm like true in one corner and being like it looked it did look on TV. i i noticed that they added a couple more video monitors i i noticed that so it seems like they did improve the fan experience a little bit so that that might help some I think, uh, you know, despite what we just disagreed about, the fan experience is better because of the action on the track a little bit, too. I mean, yeah, we had more than a, just a couple overtakes. Um, we surprisingly did not get any safety cars or red flags after what happened in in practice and in quali. I thought we were going to get that, and we didn't. Um, we had some interesting strategies. We learned that the hard tire was the best race tire of the day and that Max Verstappen can extract every single 
ounce of speed out of it. He was flying through the pack, even as others were on mediums. Uh, what else did we learn from this race? Katie, go ahead. Um, I think I had higher expectations of it because it was so chaotic in free practice and in quality. So really, yeah, I like there people were flying off the track. It feels like at every turn and they I, were talking about how it rained in Miami last night. So they were like, oh, it might be super insane because if you go even a centimeter, sorry, metric system, if you go even a centimeter off the racing line, you might spin out and I just thought there'd be a lot more of that. So I think my it was my expectations. That's why I was a bit disappointed with the race. I feel like in practice, though, and especially in qualifying, you're pushing more flat out. You're taking the car to its limits. That just doesn't happen on every lap of a race. And the margin of error in a race is just so much less because, you know, your day could be done like that. And if your day is done in qualifying, I mean, it sucks, but you still have the race to fight back or free practice one. It sucks, but you still have qualifying and then the race. So I think it's just a different almost mindset of what you're looking at. But speaking as a Floridian, if you watch today's race, what I noticed was it was pretty overcast. Like the sun kind of broke through a little bit. When you think Miami, you think sun, you think palm trees. I mean, that's kind of hard for racing because that's going to make the engine overheat. That's going to make the tire dig a lot higher. Um, that wasn't the case today. I feel like the track cooled down almost as the day went on because it got cloudier and cloudier you only saw a couple of breaks in the clouds that probably helped every single driver and i feel like the the strategy that max was on to go from media or from hards to medium that was the perfect strategy um i don't know if they didn't put checo on hards to start just because he was on pole and they didn't know what the hards would do to start off that's pretty bold if you're on pole and you're gonna go hards but the hard tire was the tire today it had speed uh it didn't you know, there was no tire dig over time. How long did Max go on his hards? Uh, he 40? took him into the 40s. Yeah, I think it was 45. Yeah, that was, it was insane. So, I mean, he probably could have finished the entire race on those tires. Yeah, it was an interesting start because typically in these races, unless you're in the back of the pack, you see a lot of teams following similar strategies. We had all three compounds start this race. McLaren, for whatever reason, thought the soft was the way to go and put both their cars on softs to start the race, and then realized after about eight laps that that was not the way to go. Uh, it, it added for some some intrigue, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, the, the hard was the tire. Imagine, just imagine being a McLaren fan, man. <laughs> That'd be so that, embarrassing. Uh, so embarrassing. <laughs> Could, yeah. Couldn't couldn't be me. Uh, couldn't be me. For those audio listeners, Sean, why don't you tell us uh, what shirt you're wearing right now? Oh, uh, it's just an orange shirt, I think, made by... Uh, some, you know, English, you you're, know, sports. You're not covering company. up the, the, the word. Yeah. It's signed? <laughs> Who signed it? No, it's not signed. That's it, It's a Lando, it's a Lando Norris shirt and it's, yeah, it has his signature on it, but it's not signed. That's what they do. I bought it last year's race. This is the shirt I bought at last year's race. So you're saying you've attached yourself to a sinking ship for multiple years. Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. Yes. Do you have it's, an apology for Daniel Ricardo yet? No. Why would I? He sucked. <laughs> but apparently both of your drivers currently are not doing very well either. Uh, so I feel like if Daniel Ricardo was in this race, he would have finished in 21st out of 21 or out of uh, 20 drivers. Like, it's behind, just, come on. He was so far behind Lando in his performance over the last two years that it wasn't even worth it to bring him back. And you can't deny that Oscar Piastri hasn't even at least been a little bit better than Daniel, even as a rookie. 
who is the more disappointing new arrival to F1? Is it is it Logan Sargent? Is it Nick DeVries? Or is it Oscar Piastri? It's Nick DeVries, without a question. Uh, I have a question for the group. Okay. Yeah. Is Nick DeVries the new Nicholas Latifi? Yeah. Worse. Well, he, well he's not oh, a paid driver. Worse. Okay, easy. 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 He is not. I mean, That's good Gotifi though. is like, Gotifi is going to be a legend in this sport forever because in he delivered Max Verstappen his first title. At least Nick DeVries earned his spot here. No offense to Nicholas Latifi. With what? A Formula E World Championship. His his race last year for Williams. Drive in a weird race. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was already Nick. If you remember, he was already being talked about. It's like, hey, this guy deserves to get looked at. And then he jumped into that Williams car on a day's notice when he was supposed to be driving for Alpha or for not Alpha Romeo or he was. It was Aston Martin, right? He was supposed to be um, doing a test for Aston Martin in free practice in Monza, and all of a sudden. Alexander Albon, what did he have? Like a stomach flu or something? COVID or something. No, it was appendicitis. And then he had a bunch of complications afterwards. Jumps into that car, puts in the top 10, and then scores points in a race. He deserved this drive. There was already buzz about him, and he deserved this drive. He has done nothing with it since. (laughs) Logan Sargent, I feel like, was he's a victim of his circumstances. I, I, I think he'll get better. But clearly, Williams wanted Mick Schumacher. Negotiations then stalled. Then, of course, you want Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo does not want to be in a Williams, so they were never going to get him. And then the logical third choice is, well, we have this F2 driver who's doing pretty good, finished third, I think, in F2. The American market is exploding. Let's bring an American back in. So he probably was brought up ahead of when they wanted to, but at the same time, you know, sink or swim. And he sunk today. He's, he's sunk, he's sunk, he's sunk every all year. single race. Yeah. I heard the nickname well, this week, no. Nick Debris, and I nearly spit out my coffee. <laughs> but at least he oh, made no, I was saying, the race No, I was saying Logan Sargent. Oh, I thought you were talking about Nick. No, Logan Sargent's had some decent races. Yeah, hasn't, yeah. Hasn't yeah. the points yet. Yeah. Today he sucked, though. Today. The whole weekend, he, ra- he did. Racing, racing like 30 miles from where he was born. Yeah, he sucked. Yeah, he was bad. Oh, by the way, Sean, I have to issue a correction here. What's up? You referred to yourself as a Floridian when we all know that Florida the man. proper term is Florida man. Thank you, Nick. It's been bothering me since the second he said it. That, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I saw you, you a little smirk there. No, no, it, it, no, this is not a proper place. I am Florida man. <laughs> That's better. I'm much more comfortable. <laughs> I'm going to clip that and just drop it in the future. I am Florida man. I am Florida man. <laughs> I am Florida man. Thank you for that, Sean. Appreciate it. In the words so, of Max uh, Verstappen, I call that super fun lovely (laughs) (laughs) it was you know hey hey it was a good race for max he flew through the field perez did a good job checo did a good job um made it interesting for a second i think that leads me to my next question because again a red bull one two alonzo in third kind of chalk at this point but my next question is and i think we got a taste of this today if it continues to be fairly close because it is pretty close right now at what point does, and do they at all, does Red Bull allow those two to actually battle? Because like they kind of let them battle today, but instead of them battling, it was Max on the better tire at that point and the better speed taking over, and, and it got interesting for like two laps, right? What if they end up being even neck and neck to the point where they, and, and they're close in the standings, which they're not very far away right now. Do they let them fight, or do they still prefer Max? I feel like Red Bull 
in their strategy prefers Max. And I think that's how this is maybe not going to come to fruition. For there to be a proper fight, it's going to have to kind of be like in 2016 with Rosberg and Hamilton where, you know, there's a couple DNFs in there. So that lets Perez back in the door. That's going to have to happen. So far, I mean, this Red Bull car has proved really reliable. Um, It's scary how good it is, but... I'm sure they would let them fight. I just don't think that they're going to allow the circumstances for that fight to actually come to fruition is my point. Yeah, I think it would take a DNF and a really big point swing because I think it could keep going this way where Max won Checo 2 and they stay really close, but then they kind of do need that big swing in order for him to really go ahead because Max just looks so dominant. Like they're in the same car and when he overtook him, it was like, like we were all watching the race live together. I was like 10 seconds behind, which was annoying, but so I muted them when I knew the overtake was going to happen. Like, let me live for a second and pretend that this isn't about to go down, but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like the, Max is just so, so dominant. And Checo is on his certain circuits, on a street circuit, he's a wild man. And I know this is technically a street circuit, but I just think it's it needs to come out. down to mechanical issues for it to happen. That's kind of a bummer. But that's also where we get a lot of the intrigue when you have a dominant team like this in F1. Um, that's kind of what has produced some unlikely wins in the past. Um, Hungary, um, was it Imola? Monza. Monza, it was Monza, yeah. We need what, I mean, we, we're going to need a race like that because Red Bull have gone 1-2 every single race so far. And it's looking like they're going to continue. There's 23 races this year. I mean, the, the likelihood of them going 1-2 in every single race is not high just because this is a random sport where random things can happen. But, I mean, if you have perfect conditions and the car doesn't blow up, yeah, you're looking at 23 straight Red Bull 1-2s. Yeah. Weird things have to happen for that not to happen. Like, it needs to be either super rainy and red flags and... And yeah. which, I mean, wasn't always the case because Checo was always... This is Checo's best year at Red Bull. This is his best year at Red Bull. He has command of that car enough to win races and even steal races from Max. The problem is... Uh, you know, the last couple of years, he was always counted on, you know, he finished fourth, fifth, sometimes on the podium, get the rare win a season. Now it's like, oh, okay, he's finishing in either second or first. There is nothing else. He is not going to let anyone else besides Max beat him. It's funny because, you know, he's had some quality issues. And even then, it's like, man, it's just a matter of time. Like, what was the race he ran last year where he started like 15th and ended up winning? He's just like cutting through the field. I can't remember. Was it was it Silverstone? Which one was it? Uh, where, Max. Yeah, where he was just cutting through the field. Lewis did that on occasion in the past as well. Yeah, but. no, that's. I mean, that's happened before too. I I don't remember the specific race. And he though. did it in like seven laps or something really annoying. Yeah, right? I you think knew it was, it was Silverstone. You're right. I think it was Silverstone. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the fate that we face right now. But all right, let's let's get off a of Red Bull. Let's go through the rest of the field here because we got to give a tip of the cap. I think to uh charles leclerc because uh he, he was having a rough go at one point he was in like 13th he ends up finishing you know a nice little p7 you know not not bad he, i think he fought his way up to sixth at one Golf point for um, charles uh, it could be it could be worse it, he's he's had a lot of issues but i think a little bit of 
uh, determination and, and perseverance, you know, helped him out there. That's, that's nice. I mean, and then you still have the Astons, you, well, you have Fernando Alonso, the other Aston being Lance Stroll way down in P2, P12. Um, other he gained than that, six it was, places. I thought Lance had yeah. a pretty good race. Yeah. It's just that, you know, when you start that far behind, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle for sure. But I mean, overall, you look at the rest of this field and it's kind of what you expected. George Russell in fourth, Sainz in fifth, which is nice for him to get ahead of, of Charles and, and then Lewis in sixth, which he was struggling a lot. So he struggled in qualifying, you know, didn't even make it to what Q3 last yesterday. So, uh, you know, some intrigue, I guess. It was an interesting race. It was an entertaining race in, in the battles that there were, but I think when it all shook out at the end the the standings and everything um not too much surprise uh, it's still better than last year's race at this point though. yeah yeah last year's race was really boring hardly any overtaking uh we did have one safety car but it really didn't even provide that much intrigue um i think it was a uh, max and two ferraris on the podium last year but uh yeah no this was this was an improvement from last year um I don't know how or why it was so much of an improvement, but it was. We got a better race than last year, even if it wasn't like Katie said, you know, it was a medium time for her. <laughs> it was. But like we just came off of Baku, which was so bad that I feel like the FIA and F1 should issue an apology for how bad that race was at a track that usually gives us a lot of intrigue. It just didn't happen this year. And then lo and behold, we go to a track that gave us one of the worst races last year. And it's given us one of the better races so far. Baku, though, feels like is a track that really, really depends on chaos happening. And this season feels a bit different in that we usually have a handful of drivers that are a bit wild and a bit crash happy. Like last year, we had my Canadian king, Latifi. You all know I'm a big fan of Mick, but he was known to put the car into the wall. Like the season before, we had Nikita Mazepin. Yuki was more crash happy. Like it feels like that's a track that kind of relies on those red flags to make the race more exciting. It's kind of the same thing in Saudi Arabia and it just didn't happen. Like it seems like we don't have as many wild cards that are firing it into the wall this year. <laughs> we, we don't have paid drivers that are just cutting their car in half. Yeah. Just firing it into the wall. I love that description. Just like full send right into the wall. Nick Debris gives me Debris gives me hope though that he is our Latifi where at least we can count on him that like you know when it pops up on the side yellow flag and you look at the drivers and you see who's starting to fall? I'm always like, where's Nick? Like he's the guy I'm looking for now to see if it's him. Unfortunately, even though like I said, like he deserves that seat, but he's done nothing with it this year, and Yuki Sonoda is just eating his lunch it's it's that bad yeah, but he's gonna be that. the father figure he's gonna be the mentor you right know? he's got I'm a gonna, thing or I'm two to teach you. Yuki. okay sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> i sorry. was upset he, about that at the start of the season yeah he I put was. himself in a, in a dis disadvantageous position by by taking that approach when it comes to how he's perceived by everybody else it's just like dude you're a rookie like who cares if you're older you're still a rookie you know you can't be acting like that but i don't know it, it, that that's kind of the state of f1 right now um it's fun to watch. They make a huge spectacle out of Miami, which I, I know Sean has some thoughts on the attendance in Miami this weekend, mm. which was 30,000 more people than last year over the weekend, but didn't really look like it. No, there was a lot of empty seats in Miami today, and it's a lot easier to tell because the seats are that aqua blue color. So when they're empty rows at a time, you can clearly tell on camera. 
not that F1 cares. Like, not that the FIA or F1 cares. It's Miami. They get their money. They get their show. Like, that's what they want. Um, they did less of the showing of the crowd today than they did last year, which means we had a better race. Like, that just, you know, automatically shows you that. But, yeah, they – Miami isn't for the F1 fan. It's unfortunately not. Not that it's a bad time because Nick and I went last year and we had such a great time that, we like, we constantly talk about it. but. It's for the influencers. It's for the sponsors. It's for everyone that isn't a fan of the sport. You know, there was a big uproar over some DJ on TikTok who was like, I'm going to go shoot a video with Alfa Romero and they're going to drive me around one of their little F1 cars. So much so that Alfa Romeo uh, tweeted out like during qualifying, like that's it for qualifying for Alfa Romero. Like a little smirking emoji. So like it's it's and and it is like I see all the influencers that are there that I they know nothing about F one but they're just there because it's Miami, uh, and and so so here's here's my here's my two cents. It's great that we have three races in this country right now. However, two of them are not for the F one fan. You have Coda, the USGP. That's for F one fans. Coda is a great racetrack. Um, I haven't been there, but I've heard it is absolutely phenomenal for all kinds of sports. I've watched the NASCAR race there. It's awesome. The USGP is usually pretty dang good, too. That's for F1 fans. Then you have Miami. That's for the influencers. That's for the sponsors. Now you have Vegas. Christian Horner said this week that he thinks Las Vegas is going to be the biggest sporting event in the world in 2023. He's probably right. But right now, just to get a general admission ticket, to walk down the Las Vegas Strip that day is $1,000. So that's not going to be for the average fan either. We need a couple more races in the States, and they need to be for the fans. I and I can't think you... of a better place to go than Indianapolis. I was just going to suggest go, that. Go back to where it started. <laughs> yes. Go to I, Indy. I don't think that you're ever going to get more than three in the U.S. Because oh, then, you're, we, then there's oh, too many will. in the U.S. No, I think they will. Take I think, Miami I think away. I think they're at least going to get one more, if not two. There's too I much think, investment in Miami to take it away. I think there's going to be, I think New York is uh, already a shoe in. They've been talking about that forever. I think that's going to happen soon. And then they're either going to put one in Indy or they're going to put one in the West Coast. Prob oh, although Vegas is already West Coast, so they might do Indy. I just want to see F1 racing back at the IMS. I mean, that, that's, that's the world home of racing. Like that's, that's where, that's where IndyCar lives. That's, that's, uh, that is our track. It's not Coda. The U.S.'s track is Indy. Is that? But they use the same like infield configuration. Yeah, there's there's a roval there. Yeah, there's a road course there. Yeah, in the inside, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they would use the same configuration they did when they ran the USGP there from like what was it like 2000 to 2012 or uh, something like that. That's when they had the tire issue, and that is when they yeah. had tire gate. Yes, but uh, obviously that wouldn't happen. But no, I think go back to Indy would be great. No, hey, it can always get better. I, I'll say this. The popularity of F1 in the U.S., which has skyrocketed in the last few years, there's no better example of that than the, the the spectacle that is the Miami race because it is where the stars show up. It's for, like you said, the influencers, and it's they do it big. They put it on ABC in the states. I mean, that's that's prime at the same time an NBA an NBA playoff game is going on. That the F1 race takes precedent on ABC, so that tells you everything you need to know. They understand that the value is there and the promotional you know, gains can be had. It's just that the race never ends up being that good because that right. isn't just, it's just not the best circuit. Like, it, and I don't know how you make it better. 
you're dealing with a certain footprint there. Um, they do a good enough job. It's fun to go to like we experience, but you know. I think unfortunately this is about as good as that race can be with that current configuration of the track. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's changes in the future, but it's still all right. And it's good to see another race in the US, you know? It's do they play up the cliches a lot? Yes, but they <laughs> yes. also give us great content like F1 drivers going through football combine workouts and displaying how bad they are at throwing a football. And if I could play video of that right now, I would because it's laughable how bad it is, but it's still good, good content. It's very entertaining. And, and how small they are compared to NFL linemen. <laughs> oh, they're tiny. <laughs> so like tiny. Daniel Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo looks tall. He's short. They're all very short because they're all be tall. short kings, except for George Russell and Alex Avalon. And yes. Ocon, I think he's tall too. Yeah, Wait, average height see. kings. George Russell height. Well, they're 6'2", six 6'3". Six That's he's not 6'1". Oh. Height. Six, Yuki, I think, is like 5'3". Yuki, Sonoda, height, 5'3". Yes. Five, who, who is the other? Ta- Lance Stroll, 6 feet. Ocon, 6'1". Sergio Perez, 5'8". And Max Verstappen is... I'm going to guess 5'8". Five, 5'11". Okay, so they're not as short as you thought. Fernando's like, pretty short, I think. Fernando is short. Taylor definitely towers over him. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Gridiron Podcast, and we love Taynando. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> comment here from Big B, who's tuning in via Twitch. You can always watch us live on Twitch. Kentucky Derby riders and F1 drivers need to fight. <laughs> huh. <laughs> it's timely. It is timely. Yeah. It is timely. I do I do have a confession. I don't like or even get the Kentucky Derby. And I oh. worked for an NBC affiliate for like eight years. I don't understand. Like, it's not my thing. I would go to it. I would dress up in the seersucker suits. I would drink the mint juleps. I'd go there. I'd place a bet. But, like, I don't get why for one weekend out of the year this entire country pretends we care about horse racing. I don't love how many um, horses die, so I'm not a big Kentucky Derby fan. Yeah, Kentucky Derby fan. Horse I, I racing. Think I, think, I think it's fewer than Kentucky Derby. Than Derby. Derby. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think it's fewer than than used to be, Katie. But, but there were yeah. seven this year that died. Yes. What? How did they die? Well, I don't, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> Why did they die? <laughs> you can Google that after I'm gonna, Sean. I'm I'm googling it right now. <laughs> It's really sad. I kind of want to see that. I'm a person that loves well, animals. Horse racing in not... general. Yeah, it's pr- it's kind of an abusive sport. Yes, like it, it's it's not good for them. Like they, okay, Mister NFL. Those are humans. They know what they're signing up for. Horses don't know what they're signing up for. They're just forced into this training. Of course they don't. They, they don't have posable thumbs, Nick. They can't sign for anything. <laughs> yeah, hold a pen with your hooves. I'm gonna let that one go. I'm gonna let that one go. <laughs> Uh, Kirby Ducky. <laughs> Kirby Ducky. It's been a long day, okay? It has been a long day. It's a Sunday, but it's been a long day. All right, uh, it's time to transition from F1 to football, but before we do that, it's time for another round of our new segment. Do you even know? Do you, do you even know? know? 
Today's contestant hails from Kimberly somewhere in Canada because I still don't understand Canadian geography. British I know Columbia. It's in the... That's the province, Bl- Nick. Yeah, BC, British dude. Columbia. We've BC. gone over this there like 45 go. times. Somewhere in Canada a and place, somewhere in the United States. A place that I recently <laughs> learned today doesn't have any chain restaurants except for, what was it, Subway and a Papa John's? And A&W. A&W. Yep. Oh. I love the, like, the two like most American, like a sub sandwich and root beer. Those aren't just American. Uh, They're North American, I'd say. Do you guys have the drive-ins? Do you have the drive-in A&Ws? Uh, no, we just have a drive-thru A&W. Nah, but yeah, our, our town has a really cool experience. bylaw where we don't allow chains, which I think is really great. So there's just a bunch of entrepreneurs thriving with amazing restaurants. There. There is a town next to Cleveland that is like that, known as Lakewood. It's mm. not that they don't allow chains necessarily, but they reject chains. Love that. Um, the only one I know of that exists that's it and has any strength is Starbucks mm. and a raisin canes, there. but it's right on the edge. Yeah, uh, melts there. Yeah, that's kind there's of a, a small chain though. Yeah. yeah okay. Semantics. Anyways, do you even know, Sean? Our contestant today is Katie Caldwell. <laughs> she has no idea. Da, 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 da. What we are going to ask her. Those are the rules of the game, Nick. The contestant has no idea what the topic is or what we're going to ask her, but she has to answer three questions all the same and give the old college try. And the points Today, don't matter. Nick, I mean, they kind of matter. We're gonna, like, we'll judge you for it. Okay. Yeah, but like, uh, Nick, what, what, what is the, what is the theme today? What is today's the topic? theme? Because I spent the week moving from one residence to another. Today's theme is, do you even know, moving edition, where we ask Katie questions about, sports-related questions, about packing up and moving. Oh, one no. of the famous teams that packed up and moved in the middle of the night was the Indianapolis Colts moving from Baltimore to Indianapolis and forever scarring Baltimore so much that they went and poached the Browns from Cleveland. That team is not a topic, though. We have three Clearly, questions for you. just gave her all the answers. Yes. That, that one an I could have answered the whole time. Like, no, stop giving it away. Please be the question. <laughs> I will kick this off, Katie, by asking you, and do you even know, moving edition, the Cardinals, the football Cardinals, have played football in multiple cities over their existence. They now call the Phoenix area their home, specifically Glendale. Before they moved to Arizona, where were the two cities in which the Cardinals played football? 30 seconds on the clock. <laughs> I wanted to say St. Louis, but I know that's definitely not like St. Louis cards. I don't... Cardinals. See, football is embarrassing because I should know this. And I just don't. That's why... That's why... Do you even know? Is do you even know? Oh, you Katie, do you even know? Setting me up for failure with this one. You want to give it the old college try? Just shout out two cities. Um, sure. Sacramento and Salt Lake Whoa. City. <laughs> all right, you are wrong. This is where I'll insert the buzzer sound. On both accounts, how? Although I think we should give her a half a point. Nick. She does get a half a point because, Be- despite the doubt in herself, they did play football in St. Louis. Oh. They also. <laughs> they yes, also they did, played. Bro. In Chicago, where they were founded. Oh, they are. I did they're not know the that. NFL's oldest continuous running franchise, aren't they? They're one of them. Hmm. I don't know yeah. where they were founded. The more you know. I think they're the oldest. Yeah. Find out. We'll uh, Google this real quick. So that is the first question of the even now. Half Sean, point, question point. number two. Katie, 
The Oakland Athletics are getting set to move from Oakland to Las Vegas, Nevada. Maybe. Las Vegas says, hey, we really haven't heard from them in, in a while, so honestly, we don't even know what's happening anymore. Are you sure you're still moving? Anyway, if they complete this move, it will be their fourth city that they call home. Katie, where were the Oakland Athletics originally? Or how about this? Do you even know where the Oakland Athletics' first home city was? Was it L.A.? Is that your final answer? Yes. No. The Way back in the early again. 1900s, they were the Philadelphia Athletics. The Philadelphia Athletics also made a stop in Kansas City. Before, before making a stop in Oakland. Oakland. A long stop in Oakland. Getting we're crushing it, possible. guys. We're crushing it. We're, all right, so she's 0 for 2. Can she get the third one? Nick. With a possible four points on the board, Katie has <laughs> point five. One. One one half. She had, we, <laughs> one we gave half her half a point. For doubting her correct answer. The final question is, Katie. The Detroit Lions are among the NFL's oldest franchises, but they did not begin in Detroit. What city in Ohio <laughs> did they start in? Cleveland? There's no chance you get this. Akron is a hard that... one. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel absolved for not knowing Canadian geography because of the way you just pronounced Akron. <laughs> Akron, Akron, Akron. Akron, home of famous James. LeBron James, just a kid from Akron. Akron, home of famous rapper Cameron. Don't clip this. <laughs> I'm so clipping so it. Clipping it. <laughs> I quit the I'm podcast. I'm so clipping it. I'm blushing for you. Um, <laughs> Next. The on. answer, Katie, to the question is, the Detroit Lions began their time in professional football as... Big B chimed in here with Cincinnati as the answer. He's fairly close. The Portsmouth Spartans. I didn't Portsmouth, even know that Ohio. was a town. Where is Portsmouth? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> It's down there somewhere. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Portsmouth, Ohio is situated on the Ohio River. It is the county seat of Scioto County. It is located 41 That's miles Columbus. south of Chillicothe. Jesus, it's in the middle of nowhere. And lies just east of the mouth of the Scioto River. If you pull it up on a map, this is where it is as I screen share for those of you watching on YouTube or Twitch. Nick, your hockey questions were so much easier. I'm protesting. Uh, you know, protests can be heard, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be sat or they're going to be addressed or agreed upon. Uh, Portsmouth's way down here. Right so there. So it's like almost near West Virginia, basically. Jesus. Uh, it's North Kentucky. Yeah, it's near North West Virginia. Kentucky. Yeah, right there. Oh, it's on the Ohio River. Okay, so it's... Yes. Southern Ohio. I did. Really, I, I didn't even know that. Wow. That <laughs> well, wraps it up for this week's <laughs> edition of... Da, 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 da. Do, Do you even know? know? I feel like the first two were... were yes. Not easy, they but like fine. they were medium. But that last one was hard. Yeah, Big that last B one was just, hard. Big B just made a new command for my Twitch channel for Conturby Ducky. <laughs> I can't. I, I I can't wait till next week when I'm 
tested on my knowledge. This is going to be so bad. Well, now I'm going to make them the most difficult ever. I, come on. The the athletics are well-known to start in Philadelphia. That's not my fault. Yeah, I knew that you weren't going to get that third one, but I just wanted to dig deep there. You know, I didn't want to do like, where the Browns move to? Something like that, you know, or the Rams. If I said, where were the Flames originally from? Atlanta? Yeah. Hey! Woo! Woo! Bonus point. How do you, to I my can't tally. believe you got that. Nailed okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta. <laughs> Big it. hockey guy. Big hockey guy. Oh, Nick has Hard been lighting up the group chat with hockey facts, and I just love, like, when he, the other night, when he's like, I got home just in time for the third period, Sean and I were like, oh, yes! Yes! <laughs> One of was, us. That was a fire <laughs> game. <laughs> Drysaddle had like four goals. I was like, this, this. I love that you say his name right, too. Yeah. Big hockey guy. We love Uh, to see it. Oilers, Golden Knights. Oh, Mm -hmm. uh, real quick before we transition, since we're on this topic, what's your opinion of the Golden Knights golden uniforms? Hate them. They had so much potential and they should have been so much better. They look like like a black jersey was sun faded. They should have been black and gold. No, no, no. He's talking about the gold jerseys. Oh, oh, the one they're I wearing see. at all home playoff games. The ones that actually glitter gold. Oh, I like that. Yeah, oh, I'm no, on board oh, with ooh. that, too. Mm-hmm. I can just tell that they're they are itchy. I can just tell by looking <laughs> look at like the fabric, wool. they're itchy. Yeah. What about chrome helmets? Like their chrome gold or the king's chrome those. silver? I'm yeah, fine with that. That's thank cool. You. That's fine. Okay. I'm fine all right. With yeah, see, yeah. this is why we get along. We all agree on yeah, uniforms for the most that. part, even though the Mariners uniform, City Connect uniforms suck. But anyways. They're very like NFL right, color rush-esque, which I like. Like really yeah. bright and yeah. really chaotic. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. I, I totally agree. Uh, speaking of the NFL, the NFL draft is in the books mercifully and uh it was done you know it's completed over a week ago now but you know that's just kind of how it fell with our recording schedule i just watched two black and white cats run by and i thought they were skunks um sometimes you just got to describe your environment living in the you know? suburbs nick that's how yeah, it goes it's, it's not a suburb <laughs> it's a neighborhood it's, anyway it's, it's urban living urban living Join us here. Uh, the NFL draft in the books. We have our biggest winners and losers. We're not going to take forever on this because it was over a week ago. But there are some competing opinions on certain teams, and we are going to dive into that. So let's start off right now with your first winners and losers. Folks, you can decide between you who goes first. Go for it, Sean. Take it oh, away. Why do I have to go first? Fine, but you're going to call me a homer for it because the biggest winner at the draft was clearly the Pittsburgh Steelers. And why? <laughs> oh, I, was gonna, I, I thought I was going to get a reaction from that. Booze, jeers, anything. No, they, anything. they were definitely the one of the Steelers, best. They, they, they added at least four starters, I think. Throughout the draft, I think they added four starters. They knew their needs. They went up and got their needs. And they even got Joey Porter Jr. in the second round. Really, the end of the first round, because they had the 32nd overall pick with that trade from the Bears. Um They go up and they get an offensive lineman, one of the better ones in the draft um, in Broderick Jones. They're building the so-called picket fence. Kenny Pickett spent... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. I'm not a fan of it either because you know what the picket fence... You know what a picket fence has in it? Holes. Holes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) does anyone not realize that, that when you put up a picket fence, there are holes in the fence? It's the worst kind of fence. (laughs) 
it it is the worst kind of fence for home defense. Um, but regardless, that's what they're that's what they're trying to build. They go up and they get Broderick Jones. Uh, they trade up for it, which I thought was a ballsy move. Uh, Omar Khan was clearly in control of this draft, his first draft as Steelers GM, and I think he he knocked it out of the park. He got guys that will play on this team next year, whether in a starting role or not. Last year, that wasn't the case. We had we I think our sixth and seventh round draft picks didn't even make the team. They were traded off or just released before the season started. That's not the case this year with Omar Khan. Broderick Jones in the first round. Everyone thought the Steelers might take Joey Porter Jr., a cornerback there, at 17. They didn't need to. He fell to them at 32, and you keep the family ties alive. Uh, that was great. Um, Nick, you're in love with the tight end they selected in, in the fourth round. Fourth round? Fourth round, yeah. 93 overall. Yeah, Darnell Washington from Georgia. Yeah. He's huge. He's like 6'7", 260, almost 270. And he uh, runs like an athlete, and he has incredible body control. And he also is a mauler of a blocker. And if they're going to really help uh, Najee Harris actually get going and not have to run into a wall of defensive linemen every play like he has for the last two years, then you need somebody on the edge that, that's going to be able to – to double team on a, on a Miles Garrett, you know, and, and block with force and intention and purpose and menace. And that's this guy. Oh, and by the way, in the red zone, you could throw it up to him. He's probably going to win a jump ball because he's freaking huge. I didn't understand the pick, though, because when I saw a tight end come across the screen, I thought, okay, uh, well, there's already Pat Fryermuth. They re-signed Zach Gentry. Uh, there's also, who Nick loves, uh, Connor Hayward. And now we're getting a fourth tight end in this room. That's a little bit weird, but... Nick was very quick to text oh, the group that, oh, my God, you just got a steal. Yeah, and I yeah. think in Nick's words, he said the Steelers are already back yeah, or something yeah, like that. You, yeah, said, they're... you said that. They got they addressed interior defensive line, which was a big hole last year because run defense was abysmal for the Steelers last year. They addressed all of their needs, offensive line, secondary, um, run blocking, and uh, run defending. So – all the needs the Steelers had, they went out and got it. They added another inside linebacker from Wisconsin. Go figure. Um, no, so I love the Steelers draft. I think they knocked it out of the park. A plus. The uh, the thing with um, with Hayward, Connor Hayward, is he's kind of small. He is. He he can play. He's just vertically challenged, and I think at you that also position, don't have, it's going to be tough. You also don't have Derek Watt on the team anymore, which opens a hole. For Connor, Connor can play Hayward fullback, play yeah, special teams and fullback. He should so be an eighty back. Gonna, like, yeah, he could he could be the Kyle Uzcheck of the Steelers if yeah. they ever wanted to go down that road. He's got those skills. Like that's when he, I watched him at the combine, I was like, that dude's going to be great in like a Shanahan offense that utilizes the fullback because he's built for it. It's just I don't know if they're going to use him that way. I don't know what Connor Hayward is except for he is a football player and he can play it at the, at this level. That's that's all I can say about him. All right, uh, Katie, who's your winner? Winners, I was deciding between a few. I love the Eagles. Howie Roseman is just incredible. The Colts were up there. The Steelers were a big one for me. But I'm going to represent the Pacific Northwest and go with the Seahawks. I love their draft. They found starters. Two homer picks right off the bat. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) But they found starters. They found depth. And I thought they found value. And I'm really happy that a quarterback didn't fall to them. I don't know if this would have looked the same had one did. But I love the Witherspoon pick. Will Levis was right there. I mean, they could have. But we saw him fall all the way to the second round that right. I think I think in mock drafts he was maybe a bit overvalued because we saw how many teams again and again passed on him. But yeah, I love the Witherspoon pick. The combination of him and Tariq Woolen is super exciting. 
But they finally have depth at running back now with Zach Charbonnet. We all know how many injuries they've had with that. Their entire defense looks dynamic. And we talked about this before the draft, that that was a really big need of theirs because they really let them down last season. But what I'm most excited about, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba. I just That's all you need to say. I love this for my guy Geno Smith. <laughs> and the NFC is so wide open that I just I love all the moves they made. I left feeling really really hopeful for the Seahawks. I think you look at that division too and it is winnable because when is Trey Lance going to be healthy? When is Brock Purdy going to be healthy? Who leads the 49ers of those two? And you're looking at starting the season with Sam Darnold. This gives the Seahawks a chance to at least build a lead that they can, you know, hold on to for the rest of the year. Um, I think I didn't I didn't see any video of their war room, but they had to be jumping up and down when they realized that Jackson Smith and Jigbo was still waiting there for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. The Packers didn't take him, you know, and then that started a run of wide receiver. Well, they got the best one. So yeah, no, you're you're right. The the Seahawks had a great draft. I didn't think he was yeah, going past I... the Lions at 18. I thought no, no question they'd and... be taking him. I was stunned that he made it past Tennessee, quite frankly. I mean, I understood why they wanted to go offensive line. They need to address that area, but I was just, they have no receivers. That's, that's not a good roster. I thought that that was a shoe in that he would go out there. So for Seattle to get him at 20, um, I just adds more talent to a group that's already talented. And, and you're right about the quarterback thing. I, I got to tell you guys this. I felt I never revel in the disappointment of others, right? And I never revel in, in guys sliding down the board, but I did feel vindicated when the entire NFL passed on Will Levis in, in the first round. Because I'm sitting here watching all these people be like, Levis could go as high as number four. And I'm like, are you guys crazy? Do you Are we talking about the same player? This is not a top five caliber player. He's just not. I don't care how important quarterback is. So to see him fall out in day two and end up in Tennessee made a lot of sense. It really it really fit, um, I thought, where he was projected to go in, in a different class. I think he would still go around that same area. You know, going into this draft, I was like, man, that is Christian Ponder. That is Blaine Gabbert. That is that type of quarterback who's going to get overdrafted based on these mocks. I was happy to see the NFL wise up and not overdraft him. And he's still in a pretty decent position where he could step into a starting job as soon as, like, 2024. Maybe this year, if Tannehill gets hurt and he steps in there. Um, that it, It's good for him. It's definitely good for him. What happened to Malik Willis? Like, are they even, are they punting on not him already? Different regime. Yeah. Uh, Ron Carthon, the new GM, did sure. not draft him. And and I think that we saw last year, he is very far away from being ready to play. And I, I mean, they started Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Him. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, off the waiver wire. Like, yeah, they got him, him off in. the practice squad. Yeah. They're just like, hey, get in here. We we know you don't know the offense. Go do it. Not like, a playoff game, but like essentially a playoff basically, game. Basically, yeah. yeah. Important games down the stretch. They knew they needed an answer. And I'm glad that they didn't feel tied to a guy that they didn't draft. So good on Tennessee. Didn't necessarily think their draft was great but good on Tennessee for doing that um and, and addressing that area and you know but I just felt vindicated all right uh I guess I'll go with my winner since we're going winners and losers uh, my winner keeping in the AFC North it could legit be any team in the AFC North. yes I thought every team had a great draft even the Browns drafting in the third round to start I think that I thought they got great value for all their picks but the team I'm going with is the Bengals who just get better they're just getting mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. you know for all these years they were always the, the disappointing team and everything else Tobin's done a great job. He, you know, you go, you go get Miles Murphy to address edge rusher, which they know they needed more of. Uh, they kind of learned that in the playoffs last year that they needed more production from that position. This guy's big. He's explosive. And you get him at the back end of the first round. I think that's going to be helpful. You go get the fastest corner in the draft and DJ Turner to kind of resupply there. You go get safety from uh, Alabama, Jordan Battle at 95 overall. They lost both their safeties in the offseason. Uh, Jesse Bates went to Atlanta and uh, Von Bell left as well. And you go get one to replace him right away. 
But the best pick of this entire group, I thought, was receiver. Because let's think about it. The Bengals are not a receiver-needy team necessarily, right? No. You got Jamar Chase, you got T. Higgins, you got Tyler Boyd. But then if you run down their roster, Trenton Irwin is making important catches for them down the stretch last year, okay? They got Charlie Jones, who is like day and night, head and shoulders better, more athletic, a better receiver than Trenton Irwin is. He can step in there and fill that 3-4 role, especially if they deal with injuries like they did last year, and provide some serious production for them. I thought that this is a, a, a classic case of a guy transferring, using the transfer portal to his benefit. You know, he went from a run first, basically lifeless offense in Iowa to Purdue, who throws the crap out of the football. His numbers skyrocket. Then you get a chance to go see him work out at the combine. He had a great workout. He just looked fast and fluid. I just kept watching him. I'm just so impressed with him. He goes to Cincinnati, and I'm like, that makes perfect sense. He's going to be great there. And then they go and get the the kid from uh, Princeton. Eosovius is how it's pronounced, but I know that's not how you pronounce it. It's how it's spelled. Um, Andre is his first name. Long track guy, Strider. Uh, I liked his workout a lot, and he got him late. I think that he has some potential to develop in that offense as well. So their draft top to bottom was fantastic. They even got a punter because we love punter picks. And you get another running back in Chase Brown who had a nice little career at Illinois as well. Very well-rounded class. You had depth all over the place. A lot of potential there. This is how you stay competitive. You draft talented players at positions that you don't necessarily need them to come in and be stars right away. But as you know, you're going to have to pay Joe Burrow. You're going to have to resupply some of these positions with cheaper players, younger players, rookie deals. And that's how you do it with a draft like this. So they did a great job. I think we got to do honorable mention too, because the Eagles obviously knocked it out of the park too, two yeah. first round picks. I seen that already won and bullied its way to an NFC championship. Yeah, they just got better with Jalen Carter and, and with uh, Nolan Smith. Um, well, and Kaylee Ringo, I think was a steal. And you talk about a team that loves loading up on the defensive front. That is the Philadelphia Eagles. They mm-hmm. they go too deep across. And they're so that front. young on defense now. Yeah, if it's not if it's yeah. not the steel curtain, what do you call it in Philadelphia? The cheese, the cheese curtain. curtain, the cheese curtain, <laughs> the, the, the water curtain, the cheese whiz curtain, the uh, the John curtain. John, John, yeah, Nick knows. Nick knows. J A W N. This John. Yeah, J A W N. Is John that John that John's curtain? Um, and then you also have to give credit to the Houston uh, Texans because it, they did, did exactly what I said Katie, they were going to do. He disagrees, they, and we're going to get to this. They downplayed exactly what who they were going to pick, what they were going to pick. Oh, we're going to you know we're going to pick edge rusher number two overall. Nope, they go C.J. Stroud. But wait, we're going to trade right back up with Arizona for number three, and then we are going to take edge rusher. So I like that they were, I like that they were aggressive, and it shows a willingness to win. Maybe not now, but very, very soon. Katie, before you dive into why you what thought they what were not good, face? no, she's we'll she's, she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna lead off losers because I think she disagrees with us. But okay, I'm gonna back Sean up here because I think this Thank is you. about value. First off, I would like to um, tell everyone who bit took the bait that they weren't gonna go Stroud at two, that they weren't gonna go quarterback in this draft at all, that they were gonna go into 2023 with Davis freaking Mills as their quarterback. You are a sucker. You all bit it. You should all look back at yourself and think, I got to be better than that. Did I maybe take a little bit of it? I, it made me raise an eyebrow because it just didn't make any sense. The fact that they ended up doing what everybody thought they would do at three, they took all the leverage out of the Cardinals' hands by taking that quarterback at two, taking the top two quarterbacks off the board, diminishing the value of the third pick for the Cardinals, and then saying, oh, by the way, we want that pick too. Fantastic GM work out of Nick Casario. They go get Will Anderson. You get a, a cornerstone player on offense and on defense right out of the gate. But it's not just that. That's not the only reason that I like their draft. I also like their draft because they took one of my favorite receivers in the entire draft, 
a guy who played his college ball in the same city in Tank Dell, a, a receiver who has incredible quickness and agility at the top of his route stem, can go in any direction. He's going to be a guy who catches and makes men miss with his feet. Not the fastest guy necessarily. He's fairly fast, but he's not the fastest guy. He's not a, a, an elite burner necessarily. He's not big, but he's going to be able to produce in that offense. He's going to be a favorite target of C.J. Stroud who throws guys open. I think him and Tank Dell are going to take off right away. They also went and got the Penn State Center, Juice Scruggs. Always appreciate investing in your offensive line. And then they get uh, Henry Toe Toe. There's there's T, there's two, there's Toe Toe. You know, it's like Tonga Vailoa. Is it Tago Vailoa or Tonga Vailoa? Nobody really knows. Do we know? We don't know. If you ask Sean, he pronounces it both ways. He's leaned more toward Tago Vailoa lately. In the past, he was more Tonga Vailoa. And in the same vein, I can't pronounce this last name, but Good linebacker. I thought he had a good workout at the combine. Kind of interesting to see where he'll fit in there. I thought they got contributors that are going to help fill out this roster because the Texans overall are transitioning from a team that was, as one player referred to it, the scum bucket of the NFL, the team that all of the guys who just were looking for one more contract would go play in Houston for the last few years. They're not that team anymore. They've signed guys of significance in free agency. They're drafting guys of significance in the draft. And I think that pairing that all together with your new coach and D'Amico Ryans is going to go work wonders for them might not be overnight but i love the cj stroud pick i thought that was a no-brainer and then from there on they did a good job now we go to the losers where katie's loser is the team that we just talked about so we bring katie to the forefront of the court make your counter argument please so i do hear everything you're saying so for my loser i do have the texans and i'll start by saying i love cj stroud i think that's exactly who they should have drafted i love will anderson i have no doubt that he's going to be an incredible player my gut tells me that we'll be talking about this trade down the road and not necessarily in a good way. They gave up a 12, a 33, a 2024 first, and a 2024 third. That is a ton of draft capital. I feel like if you're going to give up such a haul of draft picks, you have to be one or two pieces away. That team to me just isn't nearly complete enough. Like I don't, we're talking about receivers. I don't really love the wide receiver room as a whole that CJ Stroud has to throw to. Like we're talking Nico Collins, Robert Woods, John Mechie. Like I just don't know if CJ Stroud has been set up necessarily both this season and next season. I think they got two of the best players in the draft. I just think they have so many needs that that was a lot of draft capital that I wouldn't be comfortable with as a Texans fan. Let's think about that receiver room real quick though, because the guys you just listed might not have the you know the biggest brand name power right john mechie didn't play last year because of his cancer fight he'll be back this year robert woods has been a proven veteran who's gonna can get you a thousand yards if you throw him the ball enough uh he his his time in tennessee didn't go very well but that offense was not good noah brown also on this list who proved to be a nice little secondary option in dallas before he moved over to houston and dell again i think could step in but let's not also overlook the presence of former second round pick amari rogers who could never get on track in Green Bay and, and got on track fairly quickly in Houston. Maybe it's a fit thing. Maybe, maybe it's a change of scenery thing. I don't think they're as thin as you think they are, but I do understand your argument, especially with the draft capital thing, because on paper, this is not a Super Bowl winner. But they have to take those first few steps after. And I think they started to do that now. John, would you like to record? I see both of your sides. I do. I really do. I, I like this. Let's but make I, it I love the aggressiveness of... Houston. So in my eyes, Houston is not the biggest loser because they had a plan and they implemented that plan. And like Nick said, the way they were able to go about doing it, I don't think that they feel that they're overpaying for what they got. So I like it. 
That's okay. fair. Like That's It's fair. funny because we can do these exercises and I wish that we would do them like three years retrospect because obviously none of us can pick any winners and losers, maybe except the Eagles because they are just such a clear winner. But like yeah, we really are, don't know real. how any of these teams are going to work out. Like you look at, didn't the commanders give a bunch away to get Chase Young? And then he just wasn't, yeah. like, like what if there's a world, I don't think Will Anderson is going to happen like this. But what if there's a world where they give away all these picks and he just isn't what he is or God forbid an injury happens. Like if you're giving that much draft capital away, usually it's for a quarterback. I just found it really strange that it was for a defensive player, albeit I think he was one of the best players in the draft. I just it was the draft capital I just wasn't comfortable with. Yeah, I think, though, you you know, no risk it, no biscuit, right? You got to put your, you know, cards on the table eventually chips the center of it you know whatever poker analogy you want to do i understand what you're saying though let's go to your loser sean uh this was low-hanging fruit because no one's mentioned it but how about the portsmouth lions what were they (laughs) spartans what was the what was the city spartans was it was the city right though yeah portsmouth the portsmouth spartans aka the detroit lions going up to get jameer gibbs at 12 Bit of a reach. Um, to me, that almost seemed like a panic move. Like, did they think there was going to be a run on running backs there soon? Because uh, B. John Robinson was taken at what nine or seven, something like that, in the top Eight. ten. Did they? Did okay? So I split the difference there. But did they <laughs> yeah. think like something was going to happen there? Uh, that was an overreach. Uh, then they go take Jack Campbell at eighteen. I feel like both of those guys would have been available later on, possibly. Um, they take the second tight end off the board in Sam Laporta. A, I just, all three of their picks. Now, again, I don't like knocking teams right after the draft because if that guy is your guy and you value him highly and you think that he is going to help your team win, by all means, go draft that guy. Because like you said, Katie, we don't know what's going to happen over the next three years. They could, these could all be Hall of Famers. We don't know yet. This draft could be the best ever, but we don't know. But just looking at it on paper, it seems like they were reaching for their top three picks and it's just of course they they drafted jameer gibbs and i'm thinking what um and then they go ahead and trade deandre swift away well for that to work for that pick to work jameer gibbs better be good right out the gate otherwise what did why'd you do that you had a capable offense last year really need help on defense um, and you just traded away a really good running back for a rookie. Not trade away four, but you know, replacing a really good running back well, for a rookie. There's a theory. I here. just I just think there's again a lot of reaching for the Lions and it seemed like some panic moves. There's a theory. And the, the theory is that most offenses are not Bell Cow backfields anymore, right? They went and got David Montgomery in the offseason in free agency. They they waved goodbye to Jamal Williams. They promptly traded DeAndre Swift after drafting Jameer Gibbs. They have rebuilt their backfield with two guys that they could see as upgrades over both. Now, the, the comparison, which Big B chimed in with here, and, and, and this is very common, uh, Jameer Gibbs has been compared to Alvin Kamara, okay? A lot, like a lot. I see why. Um, I, I think that if you get that type of backfield with Montgomery and, and Gibbs and you can get that type of production, then it's worth it. 12 is high. I, I think you were right about the being scared by the Bijan selection in eight, which is also high, which landed near my, my 
prediction or not prediction, but kind of my comp for the last time my running back was drafted super high, which is Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know, only four picks later than he was drafted. It made a lot of sense. So maybe it was a bit out of fear, or maybe you were just so set on this guy that he was near the top of your board. And that speaks to what you just said, which is if you go best player available and he's your guy, you go get your guy and you don't worry about what people say. I feel the same way about Jack Campbell. This is a team that needed a presence in its linebacking core in the middle off the ball somebody that they're going to be able to rely on for years. They swung and missed on uh, Jared Davis. They have Alex Anzalone there, and then they've got the former uh, undrafted guy in uh, Rodrigo, Malcolm Rodriguez. You put Campbell in there, and suddenly you have a group that like is maybe strong. And I, I like Campbell. I think he was the best linebacker in the draft. And again, if he's your guy, then you go get him. And you listen to the critics, but this is why draft grades are dumb, because nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. Nobody freaking knows. Nobody knew that. That Shaq, formerly known as Darius Leonard, was going to be an all-pro <laughs> player right out of the box because they didn't watch him play in college. It's it's up to these scouts and everything to identify their guys and go make their picks with confidence and ignore the criticism. But to ding them that much for it because you thought that you could get them later, we re, we could redraft for years and and yeah. change the value of so many of these guys. Barkevius Mingo was a top <laughs> ten pick for the Browns in one of the worst drafts in in recent history, 2013, and he was terrible. Okay, and everybody at the time was like, good pick. Nobody knows. Nobody really knows. So I, I understand. And that's kind of my case for the Lions in a nutshell right there to defend them. So. I just kind of struggle with looking who else was available when they made these picks. Like Christian Gonzalez was available at 12 and they went with Jameer Gibbs. And then, yeah, Jack Campbell, like we talked about, I brought it up earlier. I think like Jackson Smith and Jigba was better value there at 18. Obviously, we don't know yet. But what are two position groups that you can typically find really good value in the later rounds? Running backs and off-ball linebackers. So what I would what I would also say is to to add to my loser, uh, if I could also add a, a fellow NFC North team, the Packers. You get rid of Aaron Rodgers, and that's fine and good. Whatever you name Jordan, it's going to irritate starter. Big B a lot. He, he, he's your starter, Big B. Didn't you want a receiver? You're you're Alan Lazard is gone. Cobb's gone. You're going to rely on Jordan Love throwing to just Christian Watson. No, they got Romeo Dobbs. They spent picks on him last year. They got three pass catchers for him in the second and third round. Uh, and you're saying Jack- Jackson Smith and Jigba wouldn't have looked good in green and gold? Sure, you, have but- a solid, you have a solid, very, very solid one-two right there with Smith and Jigba and Watson. This wasn't a good receiver draft, though. So if you're going off value. Uh, wasn't a, it, no, you're right. No, it wasn't a good receiver draft, but you had four very good receivers that went one, two, three, four there in the 20s. Yeah. You take one of them, then it's a good receiver draft. It's not a good receiver draft if you're drafting out of the first round. What are you talking about? At least they drafted pass catchers. I was a little shocked by that. (laughs) They did. They drafted two tight ends, two receivers, and a tight end. Yeah. At least it happened. They had had two two tight ends, two receivers, all before pick 160. Are they names that we might not know? Sure. (laughs) Did, Did anybody know Robert Tunyon before he showed up? No, not really. That's how it goes sometimes. I defend them, okay? Even though Big B says, Sean, suck a conturby duck. <laughs> Name this episode, <laughs> the conturby ducky, and it has Kinter- nothing to do with horse racing. Ducky. F1 heads to the conturby ducky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go to my loser so we can move on and wrap this thing up. Uh, my loser my loser's the Jets. I had a tough time deciding here, but um, they their draft... They crushed the draft last year. Maybe it's unfair to compare their draft last year to this year, but it just felt, I don't know, man. It just felt strange. Like, Will McDonald, the fourth edge rusher from Iowa State at 15? 
like everyone's expecting a player a b and c and then they just turn the card in and shows up in the pick line right before it's announced and i'm like i know this guy but who like at 15 and what they said on the air was this is all about fit you already have you spent spent a first round pick on jermaine johnson last year you've got a really good defensive front already maybe you don't think carl lawson's ever going to produce for you like you envisioned he would it just was strange because you want to talk about somebody you could probably get later i felt like he was one of those guys you could probably get later and they spent it at 15. You get Joe Tipman in the center in the second round. That was fine. But then, like, you keep going down the list. They have an affinity for Pitt Panthers for some reason. They got a tackle and a running back from there. Israel Aban Nakanda. Aban Nakanda. I, I, I don't know I, why. I Israel like, Aban Nakanda. There we go. I don't know why I'm struggling to pronounce things today, but that is what it is according to the spelling. Um, it was just a weird draft. I don't know. I understand that the, they sent some picks for Rodgers, and that all made sense. Their draft uh, was Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's it was, like that was their yeah. draft. Their draft was Aaron Rodgers. It's like when the Browns put out that corny Instagram post where on night one when the their pick came up for Houston and they're like, got our guy. And it was a picture of Deshaun Watson. And I was like, ew, that's just corny. Like, Ugh, come on. That's basically that. what the Jets are doing with with Rodgers. You know? Right. So, but I thought that they, their draft was underwhelming, um, especially the Will McDonald pick. It just felt like you could get him later. And, and I know that that kind of flies in the face of what we were talking about with Detroit. And if he's your guy, he's your guy. But after destroying the draft last year, it just, it was very underwhelming for this team that everybody's going to be paying attention to this fall. It just left a lot to be desired. So, and the other team I had, I was considering was the Cowboys because I thought they reached on both their picks. Like Michael Mayer was Jason Witten 2.0 was right there for the taking. And you just decide to go with Mozzie Smith from Michigan again. Then you go with a different tight end in the second round. And, a lot of the picks, it was just like, what? Like, what, what is going on here? What What are you doing? Like, Luke Schoonmaker uh, from Michigan was the tight end that they picked. I did like the linebacker, Demarion Overshone. He's a guy who can run. Uh, he's a guy who, when you watch Texas games, you're like, who is number zero? That guy is awesome. And I think he'll play pretty well for them in a rotational role. And then they got Deuce Vaughn, the nepotism pick of the draft right there because his dad's in the scouting staff in Dallas. But I like Deuce but Vaughn. But that, so. that produced one of the best videos of the weekend. It did. How would you like to come to work with me? That's adorable. how would you like to come to work with me next <laughs> week? It's like, ah, ah, oh, Nepo ah, babies. Who's cutting onions in here? Ah. <laughs> All right. That wraps up for winners and losers of the draft. Uh, any more draft notes? I have one, you guys. Uh, a surprise? Are you surprised at all? I was surprised with this. They set a common era draft record for total quarterbacks selected, which if you didn't know about the importance of quarterbacks and the Brock Purdy effect, you got it. This draft. Oh, yeah. Bunch Everyone's of day looking three for picks. that Mr. Irrelevant now. Sean Clifford, Aiden O'Connell, Max Duggan, a number of them picked late, adding to the group. Interesting. Very interesting. Stetson Bennett even. <laughs> Yeah, I, that one made more sense than the other ones. I, think, I know. But. He went to the Rams, right? He went yeah, to the Rams. Deal yes. with his personality. Baker Mayfield. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, that's it. That's it for our NFL recap. We got anything else that we were leaving behind here, folks? I don't think so. Not for me. Not really much to talk about. I mean, rookie camp starts next week. OTA start next week. But yeah, uh, don't remind me. Yeah, really. Not much else yeah. to talk about. Yeah. All right. Well. Not much else to talk about, except it's time for Hate It or Love It. Folks, who's got their first hate on the board? Let it rip. I hate that I wasn't in Miami today. And it's no one's fault. I'm not blaming anyone. I just hate that I wasn't It's my there. fault. It's, it's my not, fault. Nick, Nick, it's not your fault. Nick, it's my, it's my, it's not your fault. It's my fault. It's not your fault, Stop, Nick. Stop, man. Don't do it's this to me, man. It's not your fault. Don't Nick, do this to me, man. It's not your fault. What are you doing, man? <laughs> 
Oh, why did I choose? Katie has no idea what, what's going on. <laughs> but I'm having a great Actually, time. I'm going to jump in here because it, it relates to that. The reason we didn't go to Miami is because I moved and couldn't afford to spend money to go to Miami. And I moved this week. And that's my hate. I hate moving. I hate it so much. After this, I'm going to go unpack more boxes. All right, Katie, what's your hate? I hate that we couldn't be in Miami because of Nick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There we go. Up on. Yeah. Do it. yeah, we're all just Shame. here to gang up on you, Nick. Shame. And by that, we mean congratulations on the new place. Oh, thank you. Um, my hate is that fire season here usually starts mid-July, and it has started at the end of April. <laughs> so everywhere in BC is on fire, and everywhere in Alberta is on fire, and things are very scary very quickly where I live. So oh, no. sometimes, hopefully, knock on wood, I won't be doing pods on the road, but yeah, it's a little spicy out there. Spicy is one way to describe it. Stay safe, Katie. Stay vigilant. Stay aware of where the fire is. What about your loves? You didn't, oh, you did say your hate, yeah. <laughs> I hate fire season. <laughs> I was going to say, Nick, did you even say it? Yeah, he hates moving. Katie, yeah. what's your love? My love is that the Leafs have lost the first two games of their series against the <laughs> Florida Panthers. We've talked about it on the pod before. I get great joy as an impartial reporter <laughs> uh, to the Leafs losing, and everybody lost their minds when they finally got the monkey off their back and won a first-round series for the first time since 2004, and now it looks like they could potentially be swept by the Panthers, and that helps me sleep soundly at night. Uh, I love... That's a great love, by the way. <laughs> I love that we've kind of converted Nick into a, a little bit of a hockey me fan. Too. And now he's actually paying attention to the Stanley Cup playoffs. We look forward to your notes as the playoffs continue. They need to get to the point more, first off. I, 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 I feel like you're, you're gravitating Ooh. towards the Oilers a little bit. Nick, they, who needs they. to get to the point more? <laughs> they, they. Just they. All of them. Everybody. Okay, great. <laughs> Sound awesome. analysis. Touch ball! Woo! <laughs> oh, God. Field down! Um, What's your love, Nick? My love is... The fact that me and Bridget's cars both fit in our garage because I was driving over with a load and we hadn't tested it out prior. And I'm, the whole drive over, not very long, but I was just like, please fit in there. It's 10 p.m. Please fit in there. This will be really bad if we don't both fit in this garage. And we pulled in and we both fit in. And I had the highlight of the month. I was elated. I'm still elated. So that's my love. Two Your car driveway? garages. Yeah, it's like shared with the other houses here. Um, okay. But two, two car garages that actually are two car garages, even if it's tight actually living up to the description that's my love thank you for for doing that thank you awesome happy you're happy in your new home nick can't wait to see it and i think i'm coming up in july yeah sean yeah. will have a place to convene and more katie whenever you figure out your passport and get to the states <laughs> oh, yeah that should have been my oh, yeah. hate <laughs> just hate dealing with the passport office. Katie, katie can't leave the country yeah, hate Katie that for me. He's on Interpol's most wanted list. <laughs> Don't put that out there. It's, interviewed. It's, it's, it's Vladimir Putin. Do you know Katie where Katie Caldwell is? Right there. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Do you know where Katie? Excuse me, sir. Have you have you spoken with a Miss Katie Caldwell in the last seventy two hours? Why, yes, I have. Do you know where she is? Uh, Kimberly, Canada. Thank you. Click. Yeah, you guys are aiding and abetting me right now. Except you, they would be like, which province? And Nick would be like, I don't know. I, uh, Canada. It's, it's not that big of a country, right? You're right. Which province is that? I 
and did not pass that part of the class. <laughs> hey, Sean, do we figure out how we end this thing? Uh, no. Okay. No well, this, this has been episode three of the Gridiron Podcast, coming in at a cool 110. Uh, for Katie Caldwell and Sean Barry, I'm Nick Shook. And Sean, if you... Oh, go ahead, Katie. I yes. have a quick one. First of all, we are sponsored by... Da, 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 sweet nobody. No one. So if anybody wants to sponsor us, we will happily take your money for all the work we're doing. And also, as a listener, if you would like to help that... Five stars, rate, review, subscribe, any of the above would be super, super helpful to your three best pals. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. All right. This episode brought to you by Sadva Match. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) We are, again, sponsored by no one, as Katie said. So if you're interested in advertising, hit us up. All right, Sean. End this how you ended the first episode, or did you not take the time to review this? I don't remember. For Nick and Katie, I'm Sean. Until next time, guys, live life in the fast lane. There it is. There it is. So long, folks. Mm